In the four decades that Anne and I have been in music, we've been asked countless times what it's like to be a woman in rock. This question is asked in virtually every interview we do, by men and by women. We sit politely and try to come up with an answer we hope will encourage others. But what I really want to do is scream questions in reply, like, What's it like to be a human being in rock? What's it like to be a human being on the planet? In 40 years, we've never come up with the perfect answer to the women in rock question or the other common question. Why did you first think women could rock? We have no perfect answer for the simple reason that we never thought gender was a barrier to picking up guitars. We started playing because we loved music. If we would have known how difficult it would be to be women fronting a band, it might have stopped us. But probably, we would have done it anyway. Yet there is a secret chapter in our family history that might explain our urge to fight against the norm, so to speak. The story itself is in American history textbooks, but our connection to it has never been revealed. It has long been part of our family lore, passed down to us. I've since passed the story on to my children, as has Anne, and my older sister Lynn. It is a story of murder, kidnapping, and revenge with enough gruesome details to make any behind-the-music episode look tame. So imagine an alternative world where Anne and I are sitting down with an interviewer who asks, Why did you think you could be a woman in rock? Our answer, Because we are descended from a notorious woman who murdered men with a hatchet, scalped them, and later sold their scalps for a reward. My bad joke inside the Hart tour bus has long been that I am not the first family member to slay people with an axe. The original axe slayer was Hannah Dustin, our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. Dustin was our mother's maiden name. I first heard Hannah's tale from my mother when I was five. Before I picked up a guitar, I must have heard the story a hundred times. Family gatherings were always important to the Dustins and the tale would have slightly different shading whether an aunt or uncle or my mom was telling it. The basic framework was always the same, though, and always horrific and shocking. In some strange way, because Hannah's actions were so unexpected and so rare for a woman, I always felt secretly proud of murderous Hannah. Her infamy began in March 1697 in Haverhill, Massachusetts, not far from Salem. During King William's War, French emissaries bribed the Abenaki tribe to attack an English settlement. Twenty-seven colonists were killed and thirteen taken hostage. Hannah's husband escaped with eight of their children, but she and her newborn daughter Martha were kidnapped. The hostages were marched toward Quebec. On the way, the Indians killed six-day-old Martha by smashing her head against a tree. Hannah had to watch as her newborn was murdered in front of her. Six weeks later, Hannah was still being held hostage on an island in the Merrimack River. One night, while her captors slept, she loosened the rope used to tie her wrists, grabbed a tomahawk, and killed one of the men who was watching guard over her. Seeing Hannah's actions, another hostage killed the other guard, Hannah then used her bloody hatchet to kill two Indian women and six of their children. Hannah and the hostages climbed into canoes and began to head down the river away from the carnage.
But before they went far, Hannah had second thoughts. There was more venom in her. She went back to the island to scalp her victims. Holding the gory scalps, she climbed back into the canoe and escaped. It took her several days to reach Haverhill and her family. Here's where the tale always really amazed me as a child. Once Hannah was back in civilization, she turned the scalps in for a reward. The Massachusetts General Court awarded her the princely sum of 25 pounds for the scalps. They paid her for her bloody act of murderous revenge. I'm not making this up. Cotton Mather, Henry David Thoreau, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and others wrote about Hannah's story. In 1879, a bronze statue of Hannah was erected in Haverhill, showing her holding a tomahawk and scalps.